0: to be sitting there thinking about that the whole time. So now you know, just put it out of your mind and we'll get back to it at the end. And if I forget, remind me, okay? Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, uh, I know a lot of you like to read. I love to read. And I kind of like to know what's going on in the world. So I try to read kind of a variety of things and watch a variety of different news shows. And, and um, I read something this week that has really, really upset me. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. I didn't hear anybody talking about it this morning. I was really shocked. Um, I I just feel like I need to, to share this with you because it's very, very disturbing. And I don't want to ruin your day because that's not why we come to church. But I think it's important that you know what's floating around out there. Meryl, let's go ahead and show them. Apparently... Abraham Lincoln might have been a woman. There was a, you know, I love Abraham Lincoln. One of my favorite presidents that I've studied, and I know Seth in particular is going to be really upset about this. Um, Apparently, there were some pictures found in the in the basement of the White House that indicate that Abraham Lincoln might have been a woman. Now it's devastating. I know but it's, it's there, right there in print. So, you know, we'll do with that what we will, but you should know that that's out there. And then I ran across something else and I thought about our farmers in our community, like Don Hoffman and, and Russ Borland, and then a lot of us that live out in the sticks, you know, we're surrounded by cornfields and bean fields. And so this next one concerned me too. Apparently there are 23 pound grasshoppers running around. And a farmer, i don't, that could be Russ. Um, a farmer has managed to shoot one. So be careful, okay? The corn is full on right now. If you live by fields, you need to be on the lookout for this. And then one last one for you people that live in town, this you need to know. You need to really keep your safety in mind here. A redneck vampire attacks a trailer park. Um, I called Tanner to make sure he hadn't been around any trailer parks. And uh, he assured me he had not. So we just want to be careful. I mean, there are lots of things going on in our world. We can't believe everything we read, can we? Not at all. You know, we even teach kids in school now. It's part of our curriculum to teach kids about all the different kinds of propaganda. And we try to educate them on crazy things that they're gonna see in print and even things they're gonna hear from people, things they're gonna hear from journalists and and news shows and things that appear to be credible. We try to teach the kids to be wise consumers of text, and of things they hear, and even of what they hear from real people. We try to teach them to be wise about those things and try to make sure that their sources are credible. And we try to teach them that there's bias in about everything. And so it is hard sometimes to find the truth, even when something is seemingly credible. You know, everything that is on the internet is not true. I know, I'm raining on a lot of parades today. Everything on the internet is not true, contrary to what a lot of people think. Everything we hear on our local news stations are not without bias of some sort. Everything that we hear on CNN or Fox News is not objectively truthful. I like to watch some of those news shows because I do want to know what's going on. And the best, the best way I have found to find some objectivity is to start either with CNN or Fox, watch that for five minutes, then flip it to the other one, watch that for five minutes, flip it back and do that for about 30 minutes. And anything that both stations said is about 40% the truth. That's about the best way I have found, to come up with some truth in the news. You know, people can hack into websites, they can change text. Um, Journalists who report news stories, they report those with their own bias from their own life experiences and their own values and their own beliefs. Um, Things that we hear Just are not always truthful writers and journalists do the same in newspapers we can't believe everything that we hear and even people who teach and preach under the guise of the gospel are not always completely truthful and or scripturally accurate it's hard to know sometimes what to believe it's hard to know who to believe it's hard to really believe anything at all. And I know that sounds very cynical. And I, I do have that kind of, I am very cynical at times. And I have to really give that over to the Lord and ask Him to show me what is the truth in all of this. Well, John had the same problem when he was writing his, his first epistle that we've been studying and looking at in this uh, series that our pastor has termed alternate reality. He addressed this very problem with the people that he was writing to. And we're going to look at that today. 1 John is our text, chapter 4, 1 through 6. And this is the NIV. I like the NIV version of this the best, but you can read it from whatever version you want. So on denying the incarnation is what this says. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We need to understand a little bit about the culture of the day that John was writing in. You see, for centuries, the Jews had prophesied that this Messiah would come. They were looking for their Messiah. And when Jesus was born uh, into the world and grew up and ministered and then was crucified and resurrected, the Jews, many of them, refused to believe that he was the Messiah. And so, even after he had ascended to the right hand of the Father, a lot of people were still looking for their Messiah. They wanted their Messiah to be there so badly that they were willing to look anywhere and everywhere for the Spirit of God, for the Messiah. And in that culture, people believed in a universe that was just filled with spirits, demons, and good spirits. They they believed that every mountain, every rock, every stream, every tree had its own spirit, and that these spirits were constantly looking for the minds and the bodies of men and women that they could enter into and use for their own agenda. And so, this world, uh, one of my commentaries, one of the authors described it as a very electrically charged culture. They believed in these spirits. They looked for them. And there actually were people, false prophets, who would promise a lot of signs and wonders. And not only would they promise them, they would perform them. And so there was no doubt that there was power given to people to do these things. But many times the power was evil and it was misdirected and misused. It was not the true spirit of God. But the true spirit of God was there also because Jesus left his spirit with us to guide us. And so believers knew that there was this spirit. And yet vying for everybody's attention were these other spirits that people were clinging to in false hope. So while the Holy Spirit truly was among the people many of the unbelievers were still looking for their Messiah, for their true spirit of God. In this passage that John is writing, he is warning people in the community, and he's warning us because we see this today, that there are false prophets everywhere. There are people who will say just enough of the truth That it will get our attention, but they will leave out some foundational principle of the truth. Just so that they can rein us in. It was a common occurrence in John's day for that to happen. People would believe these false prophets. And I see that very much today, and I know that you do too. People are believing these false ideas. These ideas that that leave out just enough of the truth to make it not the truth. And it's something that we have got to be aware of and very careful about. John recognized that people needed to have some kind of a test, some kind of a way that they could tell whether the spirits were truly from God. And his test is very simple, and yet it's very profound. And here it is. Verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. And that's it. That's the foundation of the Christian faith. The true Christian faith can be summed up as the Word became flesh And dwelt among us. Jesus was God incarnate. And he was here on this earth living among among us. And John in his very... Josh talked about last week how John was kind of this grandfatherly type of guy. He was older. He was very wise. And he was trying to impart wisdom to people so that they would not be led astray. And he's saying to them, listen, I lived with Jesus... I walked with him. I heard what he said. I know how he treated people. I was there firsthand. And I'm telling you that this Jesus, while fully man here on earth, was God's son. He lived in that reality. And his message to us and to the people of his day is that anyone who denies the incarnation of Christ is not from God, period. There's no debating that. That is the truth of the message. That's the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He came to earth as a human being, and he is from God. And that is what we must believe if we are authentic believers and followers of Christ. We cannot stray from that. Anyone who refuses that belief cannot enter into a relationship with God. It just can't be. John 5 18 says this: I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He. You will indeed die in your sins. John 10:30 30 through 33 says this: I give give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been taught, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And so we have evidence from Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and there are more than that, that Jesus was fully human and yet one with the Father. And then we have John, as Josh described him last week, Jesus' BFF, his best friend forever, the one that maybe was the closest to Jesus, who had lived with him, who had, who had listened to him and who had seen how Jesus treated people and his message of servanthood, we have him who is also saying to us, this is the honest truth. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that everybody's been waiting for. He's the true spirit of God. And you know what? I even venture to say that everybody or almost everybody in here would not argue with the fact that Christ is the son of God and that he was sent to this earth as a human being. He was the word in flesh. But there are going to be people who challenge this foundational truth of our faith. There are people who are going to call us to believe less than God's truth. And because John gives us this litmus test by which we can know whether the Spirit is from God, we can discern the truth among all the false statements and the prophecies that are made, and that will be continued to be made. It's up to us. It's our responsibility not only to know what the Bible says, but to know why it's important. Something that Nelson Perdue said to me a long time ago sticks with me, and I think I wrote this in one of my devotionals for Through and Two, so you might see it again. He said, God gave us a brain for a reason, He expects us to use it. It is up to us to be responsible. With the scriptures, it's up to us to know not only what the truth is, but why it's important. And it's easy to say, I believe that God's, that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He is God incarnate. I know that anybody who denies that truth doesn't have anything in common with God. But why is that important? Why is it important that we hold on to that truth That Jesus was the word in flesh. Here are some things for us to consider this morning. To deny that Christ is the Messiah is to deny that Christ is the center of history. There has never been another person whose birth and death divided time. All of time was marked by the birth and the death of Christ. And there has never been anyone that has come after him who has had that kind of significance in all of history. To deny that Christ is the Messiah is to deny that he is the fulfillment of God's promises. All through Scripture, we have prophecies of this Messiah coming. God promised a Messiah. He promised that He would leave His Spirit here with us. He promised a Savior who would take our sin upon Him and be our sacrifice. To deny that that person was Jesus is to deny the fulfillment of God's promises. To deny that Christ is the Messiah is to deny His kingship. You see, Jesus didn't just come to be the sacrifice. Jesus came to reign. And while his kingdom didn't look like a lot of people thought it should look, and he came and and taught servanthood and being good and kind and compassionate and merciful to people, even people who hate us, even our enemies, he still is the king. He reigns, and if we deny that he was the Messiah, then we deny his kingship. And let me tell you, there are consequences for for denying the incarnation of Christ. There are consequences for denying that Christ is the Messiah. If we deny that Christ was fully man, then what we're saying is Jesus could never be our example because if he was not fully man, living under the same conditions as men and women, he could not possibly show us how to live. He could not possibly be the example for us in this life. If we deny that Christ was fully man, then we deny that Jesus is the high priest who opens the way to God. According to Hebrews four fourteen through 15, the true high priest must be like us in all things. And he could not have been that if he were not fully man and like us and knew our weaknesses and our strengths. If we deny that Christ is God incarnate, we deny that Jesus could have ever been the Savior. Because to save us, he had to identify with us. He had to know what he was hanging on that cross for. He had to feel that sin being being put upon himself. So to deny that he was fully man is is to deny that he could have been our Savior. And finally, if we deny that Christ was fully man, then we deny there can ever be any real union between us and God. Really, friends, to deny that Christ is God incarnate is to take away all of our hope. It takes away all of our hope in the Savior that God sent, the Messiah. There is nothing in Christianity that is more central than the reality of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Anything contrary to that, anything that opposes that truth John says, is the spirit of the Antichrist. Any teaching that is contrary to the truth of the gospel is considered to be the spirit of the Antichrist. And let me tell you, the world is full of this stuff. The world is going to continue to call us to less than believing in the Messiah. There's the love of money. Do we not see that every single day on TV, even with friends that we have maybe? The love of money, people seeking after more of it, putting it in front of Christ. That is an attitude. That is an ideology. That's a value that is in direct opposition to what Christ stands for. And John is saying anything that opposes the truth of God is in the spirit of the Antichrist. You know, we tend to think of the Antichrist, or at least I always have thought of it this way, as being one big person, you know, a a person, one person that's going to come onto the scene and, and be the Antichrist. And while Scripture does point to that, Scripture also says that all along the way, there are going to be these opposing forces, these evil forces that get into men and women's minds and begin to turn them from the truth so that they're ready for the Antichrist. That stuff's happening now, and we're foolish to not believe it. We're foolish not to see the truth and not to use this test that John gives us to know whether these, the things we're being taught, the things that we're reading, the things that are coming even from our pulpits, are truthful. We have to know that. There are things in this world that are trying to infiltrate our people. Pride. How many times have we seen people make grave mistakes because of pride? In this whole sense of it's me first. I just heard this uh, last week. I heard a quote about put yourself first this week at the top of your to do list. You deserve it. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you do every now and then. But that was not the message of Jesus. Jesus was not about me first. He was not about putting himself at the top of his to-do list. Jesus was about serving others. Jesus was about laying our lives down for people. Jesus was about meeting needs if we had the resources to do so. And if we don't, finding some or finding somebody who can. Jesus was never about me first. And yet that attitude pervades our society today. And it's easy to fall into that. We all work hard. We all, we all have long days. We all at some point or another think, man, when can it just be about me? There's nothing wrong with taking a rest or a break. You know, we all need to do that. But when we start waking up every day and it's about us all day long every day, we are living in, in contradiction to what the Lord has, has put before us. We're living in contradiction to his teachings. The world, people are going to continue to call us to less. They're going to tell us our marriages are not worth trying to save. They're going to tell us just give up on it. Marriage is not a really a covenant anymore. If you want to get divorced, get divorced. They're going to tell you, give up on your kids. They're going to do what they want to do anyway, so just give up on them. The world is going to call us to be dishonest because everybody does it. How many times have you heard that? The world is going to call us to live with people that we're going to marry before we marry them. The world is going to call us to less than God's best for us. And that's what John is saying here. He's saying don't settle for God's, for anything less than God's best for you. God has put these things into place, these teachings into place. He gave us this Savior so that we could live in God's best for us. But the world is going to continue to call us to less than that anything contrary to God's holy ways are considered to be spirits of the Antichrist. And we need to be on the lookout for that. We need to know that that is happening. And we need to hold tight to Scripture. We need to hold tight to the reality of the crucifixion on our behalf and the resurrection so that our minds are refined and made holy for God's purposes rather than polluted and destroyed by any teaching or spirit that is anti-christian and i know that this is hard even even when we're looking at at Politics and all of this stuff, it's easy to jump on somebody's bandwagon. It's, you know, we think, oh, we're going to get behind that person maybe just because of the party they're with. We need to listen to the words they're saying. Because even if we get behind somebody who is speaking words that are contrary to the teachings of Christ... Are we not just as guilty? You say, well, there's no good option. You're right. There's no good option. But that doesn't mean that we have to settle for less than what God is calling us to. We have to hold our ground on that. And I I get that this is some kind of heavy stuff. It's stuff we don't like to think about. You know, a lot of us just like to live in our bubble and act like some of this stuff's not happening, but it is. And I would feel remiss as one of your pastors to not bring this truth to you. John knew it was important enough to bring to to his people. And he doesn't mince any words about it. He just gives us the straight-up truth but then you know what I love about Johnny so encouraging, too. He gives us the truth, but then he says this in verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and you have overcome these spirits that are contrary to the Messiah because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That is shouting material, if we were that kind of people. (laughs) The one who is greater in you is greater than the one in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. But we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This, again, is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. It's hard not to be frightened by what's going on in this world. Most days, I don't know what to believe when I hear things on the news. I don't know what to believe when I hear things from political candidates. Even from people who profess that they believe, sometimes I don't know what to believe our world is a discouraging irritating sometimes very frightening place to live and I honestly don't see it getting any better but can I just tell you that there is not a day that we have walked through and there is not a day in the future that God does not already know about he already knows he's gone before us He knew that this is where we would find ourselves. He knew what we would be facing. He knew there would be lies. He knew there would be distortions and falsehoods and evil spirits. He knew that we would have to sort through all of this mess. And that's why he gave us his spirit. John, in his very grandfatherly, wise way, is reminding us today that we belong to God. And not only that, we have been given the power of God. You know, I think we underestimate that power more than we don't. And I don't think we underestimate it just because maybe we don't see these grand miracles. Or maybe we don't acknowledge that the things that are happening in our daily lives are are God's hand working in our lives. I think we underestimate God's power in our lives because we don't call on that power enough. We don't call on that power enough to know its potency, enough to know that it's there, enough to know that it's true, and that it's what God says it is. We often choose to live beneath that potential that God has given to us The power of God that he has given to us is not some watered-down version of what he gave to the people back in his day. The power of God is a power that cannot be overcome by anything else. No evil power, no untruth, no misguided world leader can usurp the power of God in us. Listen to what John is saying here. He's saying we belong to God. And when we think about that, really, can there be anyone who could come against us and win? No. We belong to God and the power of his spirit lives within us if we allow him to have full control of our lives, acknowledging Jesus as the Savior. And there is nothing in this entire world that is greater than him. Nothing. We have to claim it. We have to claim that power. Claim that Jesus is the Messiah and that he has given us his spirit and his power by which to live above the world's standards. And then John gives us one more criteria by which we can discern that the spirit of truth um, is the spirit of truth and not the spirit of falsehood, and it's simply this: the world is not going to listen. John says that. The world will not listen to or embrace the truth of the Savior. It doesn't matter who is speaking the truth. There will be a significant amount of people who will not listen and who will go the way of the world. There will be people who who refuse to acknowledge that Jesus was God's son. They're not going to listen. They're not going to proclaim him as Lord and Savior. They just aren't. And that doesn't mean that we stop trying to reach them. It just means that there will be people who are so enticed with the world that they will follow that way and they will refuse the truth. And it's something we need to be aware of. It's something that's going to be a flagship for us to where the real truth lies. And I don't know about you, but I would rather have a smaller group of people who believe in the truth of God than to be part of a larger group who does not. We want to find ourselves on the right side of this thing people are going to call us to less. They're going to call us to abandon our belief in Christ as the Messiah. We need to be grounded in the truth of Jesus Christ, God incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so he could become the sacrifice for our sins and reign. No greater truth Will ever stand in the end than that. I have fantastic news for you today. Abraham Lincoln was not a woman, he was a man. And Jesus, while on this earth, was fully man and yet God incarnate. He was the Son of God, He is the Messiah. And he has come to save this world, and that is the truth. That is what you can stand on. We're going to take that special offering now for West Virginia. So, ushers, if you will come ahead, let's pray while they're getting ready. Father, we do thank you for your truth. We thank you for your scripture. Lord, I pray that you would press upon each of us. Give us a desire to want to be in the word. Things are going to be so muddled for us if we continue to listen to media and and even other people. Lord, we have to know what the scripture says and we have to know why it's important. And so I pray, Lord, that every day you would give us a desire to be in your word, to be learning your truth so that we know what to stand on. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would undergird us, That you would help us, Lord, to always be on the right side of the truth. To always, Lord, be seeking after what you say to us, not what men say. And Lord, would you help us to hold our ground, realizing that you've gone before us, that you already know what's going to happen, and in the end, you're going to be the victor. Lord, just help us to claim the power that you have placed within us. Help us, Lord. Uh, to live according to your teachings and to abide with you every single day. And Lord, we do pray for those who have suffered so much in West Virginia. We thank you for our children in this church, in our BBS, who who um, brought in money, who took, took this offering seriously. And Lord, we just pray that you will help us as adults to um, now give generously so that we can help them um, these people who are in need. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen.